Welcome to Hebsey on Sports, episode number 210. I'm your host, Mark Hebsher, in the Little Italy studio. And there's Toronto Mike holding down the mothership in Toronto. And if he would have known that the weather was this good, he'd be doing this show. For, we would both be doing the show from the backyard studio, which has become quite a phenomenon in the podcasting world. Don't know anyone else that's set up a backyard studio for live streaming and podcasting as Toronto Mike has, the innovator that he is. Love it. Did you see uh, did you did you see Paul Hunter and Mary Ormsby back there? I did. That was great. Terrific show. Terrific. And the funny thing is is that they both contributed to the uh, I tweeted out the other day prior to the beginning prior to the election coverage on Tuesday. Um I was coming up with okay like what if this is a really long night? What am I going to eat? How do I how do you how do you prepare for an evening of an evening and, and an overnight of <laughs> of of consuming um election results right right and so i thought okay what am i going to eat and what are like what what am i what's my plan here because you know like mike if you go to like a, a concert or a game you're like well i'll eat light before the game you know right. what i mean sure. and then at the game i'll have a couple of beers or whatever and then after the game maybe we go out for something and and so with election night it's like okay so i sort of came out with this menu i went i went to a buddy's place for dinner a couple friends of mine and said what are we gonna have we're gonna have lasagna we're gonna have arugula I'm going to bring Portuguese tarts, licorice, pistachio nuts. Wow. So all these type of things. And then I sort of posted saying, what does one eat on, you know, prior yeah. to and during election coverage and all kinds of people were, you know, jumping in and Paul, I think Paul and Mary both kind of said, listen, this is American. We're going to do like cheeseburgers, French that. fries, like American type of foods. Yeah. Yeah. And they're great. Really nice in. people. Really nice people. Yeah, somebody said six pounds of sushi, you know, that kind of thing. So I'm interested. What did you eat, Mike, on election night? I, I honestly can't remember. I had finished eating you before the results, before I tuned into the result. I think I started watching at like 8 p.m., uh, but I ate before that. So I don't remember. I don't remember. So you didn't, so you didn't, you weren't eating like no munchies or anything during no, the No, I mean, coverage? I didn't, I didn't uh, treat it like it was like a big, like a Leafs game or something, like a, you know, a Jays game or something. Like I just, uh, I, I tuned in to see what was going on. And it looks like today, uh, I'm sure you'll right. get to this, but it looks like today we might actually have this thing called. Yeah. Um, see, with, with us, um, every, time, uh, every time John King said, well, look over here, you take a shot of tequila. So John, John, King, John King was the greatest. Tell me about this because I don't get, I don't get CNN. I, I didn't see a minute of CNN. I don't get it on my uh, cable package. Tell me everything oh. about because I've been reading about it, but I guess Well, I'm not going to uh, tell you everything about it. I'm just going to tell you that... Um, that John King is the LeBron James, Wayne Gretzky, Bill Gates, and Stephen Hawking of TV uh, commentators. Wow. He's the best. He, he, to me, if I was to say, if you were to say, who do you, who in the world, okay, of ever is the absolute best at their job? Now, that job could be professional athlete, that could be a politician, that could be right. a TV commentator, that could be a musician. It doesn't matter. <clears throat> who in this world is at the best at their job? And to me, the answer is John King. This guy is so good at what he does. And he did it for so many hours at the absolute top of his game that, you, like I said, you could roll the best in the business into one. And that's this guy. This guy should have his own show, wow. his own network. He's really, really good at explaining. And I, I don't know that much about American politics enough to get by. Yeah. But man, watching this guy work the map of the United States, this guy knows every county in every state. And knows whether they how they voted in every election. I mean, it's it's mind blowing. But, but Hebsey, isn't that like and how like, he presents it? Hebsey, like you for example, you you can probably remember, you know, the uh, 
starting lineup for the whatever the the 62 Yankees or whatever like the point is you have yeah, a great memory for things you're passionate about so you read about it you follow it and you retain it that you could do that too if you spent like uh, enough time doing your homework you would probably know all the counties and how they vote as well yes but uh, but I don't and he does and but he's, he's really paid fa- he's paid handsomely to uh do that homework but he's better than anyone else in the business at it right Right. right. It's almost right. like uh, let's t- let's tune in John King as opposed to let's tune in uh, CNN. But let's get away from that for a second. I know you've been talking so much politics. Let's talk <laughs> sports today on the show today. Vladdy's got a gun. Ah. Vladdy's got a gun. Aerosmith. Vladdy's got a gun to do. Got a 45 stuck in his sweatpants. Um, this picture came up this week. As soon as I saw it, I went, whoa. Whoa, if I'm a young fan, not even a young fan, for, and in Canada, I'm from Toronto here. Guns are not a thing. Oh, I, I, okay, I don't know. Tell me. Player. What photo? Of, I didn't even know. Tell me. Like, there's a photo out there of Laddie with yeah, a gun? Yeah, Laddie posted a photo of himself. He's got, like, a clip. I guess it's a clip, or it's the actual gun, like, in his, like, little, you know, in his waistband there. Oh. He's coming down the stairs. He's got this look on his face like, I'm a badass. Oh. And I just thought, that's just a bad look. Like, somebody had to phone him and say, Laddie. Don't be posting pictures there because he's still a kid. He's an, and it, but, well, but he's a father of two, some kid. I mean, he's, we yeah, can't. everybody, but you know, but everybody is reposting this. And then, and then the next picture was he had it taken down or they airbrushed it out or however you did it. But I just saw it. And I was wow. I'll get into that in a second, but I just, I'm, are you okay with this youngster being a, a pistol packing presence on the blue Jays or should we trade him for Francisco Lindor? Um, and while we're at it, would you like to see the Jays go after a free agent pitcher, Trevor Bauer, who says Toronto is, it's nice. He loves it in Toronto. Right. He's almost like he's teasing us. He's <laughs> teasing us. The NBA says they'll begin their 72 game season on December 22nd, the NHL. Well, we'll let you know, but they're still going for a January 1st start. And both leagues are hoping to have fans in the stands. I don't know. Would you go to a game if it was 25% capacity and you were assured of physical distancing uh, indoors? I know they got a high ceiling and everything, but still, would you do that? We'll throw that one out there as well. Massive cuts at ESPN. Not that this was unexpected, but still, man, this hurts. It really does. And and more to come, they say, in the sports broadcasting business. Uh, And uh, one of our listeners, uh, one of Toronto Mike's listeners who became one of my listeners. I know who this is. (laughs) Has some personal suggestions for Sportsnet if they want to compete with TSN. We'll have that NFL, golf, tennis and more. But first, a salute, like I said, to the best in the business. And that's John King. Um, I'm hurting a bit today, Mike. You may notice it in my voice. Maybe I have this ragged look out there, kind of unshaven, unkempt. Um, But the reason for that is... John King is so good at what he does. I can't turn the television off when he's, when he's showing the map of the United States and certain states and counties and why Biden is going to overtake Trump and what the previous, he's just so good. So I'm bleary eyed here because the last few nights I've been watching John King. He's so good at what he does. So my apologies if I'm a little ragged today, blame John King and, and blame Trump and blame Biden. And this has been, like you could not in a million years have scripted this if you were Hollywood saying, let's do a movie about potential election fraud where there was none, about a president who every single thing he says is a lie. Right. And to even find the truth somewhere in his statements is virtually impossible. It's your needle in a haystack. 
Hebsey, I need to ask you. I need to know your uh, opinion on this. So, like, let's let's assume we're only like literally minutes or hours away from uh, this thing being called. Okay, yeah. so you know, Pennsylvania's twenty electoral college votes. I mean, uh, now Biden leads in Georgia of all places. Although that's not wow. enough to get him to two seventy. So, like, this is done. It's done. Um, what does the next like? What does like the next couple of months look like for Donald Trump. We, we saw him kind of, he's, he's, he's a, he said something yesterday about how all the legal, if you just count legal votes, he won easily. Like this is a man who's just going to make up any kind of junk he can throw at the wall to kind of, he's having a hissy fit on his way out the door. Like what's next? This is the thing that bothers me the most is that I think, I, I really think that the networks should all come to an agreement and say like, we, we can't, we can't keep running these Trump, news conferences we can't do it because he's just spewing more and more lies like if all of the media agrees that he's lying but they feel compelled to um allow him to speak because he's the president right knowing that this is uh, i i think that the news networks have to go look um we we really need to throttle back a bit here and give the american public what they deserve which is the truth and when donald trump speaks he's not speaking the truth you, you and that would be very difficult because you're always going to get somebody to say, oh, you know, let's go, you know, whatever Trump says, we have to put it out there. We have to. Um, I just, it, it, it's bothering me that, because he knows. He can say, no, no, I've got a press conference or I want to say something or I'm tweeting this out and they're all going to come running. Everyone's going to come running to, um, to hear his every word. And his every word, it just seems it's just nothing but a lie. You know, I know we're going to mention Vladdy and his gun, but there's a very real, like, security threat in the USA right now with the the masses of Trump supporters who believe what Trump says and believe that this has been illegally, like, stolen from him, this election. And they're all open, like, well, in the open carry states, they're open carrying, but they all are gun-toting. And it's actually, a to me, it's a it's a true legitimate security concern, these uh, gun-toting tr- Trump fanatics. Yeah, well, look, once Trump came up with the fake news thing, um, all of his supporters essentially are on the same side saying, I don't believe everything, but do believe what Donald Trump is telling you, but don't believe anything else. Right. And when it's been like that for how many years? Four years now, Mike. Yep. Four years of don't believe them, don't right. believe CNN, don't believe them, don't believe this, don't believe that, don't believe all the legitimate news sources, the ones that fact check. Don't believe them. Don't believe the New York Times. Not, hey, You've got how many, Mike? 68 million Americans believing Trump? Yep. That's staggering, Mike. Staggering. Yep. Uh, let's get back to the <laughs> So, So there's a picture posted, I think it was on Instagram this week. Very troubling, I thought, when I saw it. Vladdy Guerrero Jr. packing the pistol in the pants. It's legal to carry a gun in the Dominican Republic, provided you've got a permit, which Vladdy does. Um, the photo, like I said, was all uh, altered to, to eliminate the gun. But still, what kind of message is this sending to Blue Jay fans? Does it bother you uh, now that I'm telling you about it, Mike? <laughs> and and I have to uh, point out a very important caveat here. And that is since, and you remember this a few years ago. You remember when David Ortiz was shot? Mm-hmm. Yep. And people were like, oh, my God, the, the great, the, you know, Big Poppy. Everybody loves Big Poppy in the Dominican. He was shot um, since that time. It's estimated that 80 to 85% of all players of Dominican descent are carrying guns in the Dominican Republic. They're worried about their personal safety. They're also worried about things like kidnapping or their families being threatened. And that happened not that many years ago to a former Montreal Expos reliever, Uget Urbina. This was in Venezuela, where kidnapping is very common. 
places like Venezuela, Colombia, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, and I'm not going to say that it's, uh, uh, you know, it's indigenous to, to, to Spanish speaking countries or whatever, but this is a very popular way to, to um, extort money from um, people that make a lot of dough from um, professional athletes, from entertainers. The way to do that is you kidnap someone in their family, right? Quite common, quite, quite common. And so these guys are protecting themselves. So knowing that and knowing how popular uh, Vladdy Guerrero is and, and his father, um, maybe it's okay for him to carry a gun. Uh, but, but at the same time, he can't bring that into Canada. Uh, and, and if he was to come out and explain, you know, hey, this is me carrying a gun. In other words, don't fuck with me. I got a gun. Like, don't even think about, right. you know, um, the thought of kidnapping my two little kids or anything like that. So they're very aware in the Dominican and places like that about that. And they're carrying their guns for protection because they're allowed to. We don't see it that way in Canada. And it's kind of, it's, you know, it's, I think someone on the Blue Jays had to call Vladdy and say, dude, stop it. Understand the country that you're playing professional baseball for and what goes on there and the type of image that you have. He's still only 20 years older, 20, 21, whatever it is. Right. Oh, so, okay. So are you asking me like, um, if I'm okay with this? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm asking you if you're the Blue Jays, what do you do? Okay. Firstly, the start of things. I mean, do you, you I know. mean, look, he's a ball player. Do you care that much about what happens well, you, in his private life? Is it that important to you? It's not no. illegal, right? It's not illegal. No, you, it's not illegal. You, you don't like it as a, from a PR standpoint, you don't like it, especially this is a Canadian based team. We have very different feelings about guns than uh, they might have in Dominican Republic or even the Southern USA, et cetera. Very but, different. Very different. But you got to let, I think you have to let Vladdy adult into legal, like you have to let Vladdy be Vladdy. Like, uh, like, you know, as long as it's legal, I don't think you can, I don't think we should, we, we, we can separate these two things. Right. Like he likes guns. He's, but he looks like a gangster. Okay, he looks like he's got a gangster because he's got a gun. And that's what the gangsters do. That's what gangsters do right. when you see pictures of, you know, you've listened to rap music. You've seen, you've watched music videos. You know pop culture. Sure, of course. Right? You're a tough guy. Hey, I got I'm a an NWA like, fan. I know the, uh, yeah, so I know you, these you know, if a dude takes his, pulls his jacket apart to reveal that he's got a gun in his waistband, that's enough, right? That's enough intimidation to go, but, dude's got a gun. Tell us what you think, away. because I, I, I think you got to let Vladdy be Vladdy. If it's legal, right. it's okay. But you know, you're, you're right. You don't, Toronto Blue Jays official account isn't going to be sharing pictures of Vladdy with no, a gun. No, they're not. No, <laughs> but tell me your thoughts on this. Well, my thoughts are, it just happened in the same week that all these other Blue Jays are getting these accolades all week long think about it all right charlie montoyo finalist for al manager of the year great charlie beauty he's up against kevin cash of tampa and uh, rick renteria of the white Sox, who got fired <laughs> the dude got fired and, and, and was replaced by tony la Russa, who's 106 years old right so this is how goofy this is here charlie montoyo is up against one guy that got fired and Kevin Cash, who, uh, I don't know, they won the division. I think people expected it. I don't think he should be manager of the year. He's got a pretty good, talented team. And certainly what happened in the playoffs doesn't, I don't think he should be man. Mind you, did Charlie Montoyo, did I ever think he would be manager of the year? No. I right. didn't think he was that good a manager. So what do I know? But Wilner said he'd be what manager I, But still, of the, year. the good news is, the good news is Charlie Montoyo is a finalist for manager of the year. Uh, Hyun Jin Ryu is a finalist for the American League Cy Young Award. And if you could name me the two other pitchers that are finalists, I'll give you a thousand dollars. You don't know. No idea. 
Bieber of Cleveland and Kenta Maeda of the Twins. But but Yunjin Ryu, who we spent $80 million for, is a finalist for the Cy Young Award. Good. Dan Shulman. Dan Shulman is a finalist for the Ford Frick Award. That's the broadcasting wing of the Baseball Hall of Fame. Dan Shulman, our very own Dan Shulman, right. is a finalist for the Frick Award, which leads to the question, who's a finalist for the Frack Award? Buck <laughs> Martinez? Hey, would that be the first I Canadian? Frickin frack would that be the first Canadian to win the uh, Ford Frick Award? No, I believe Tom Cheek did not. But Tom he's Cheek not Canadian. Like, but he's not. He's American. That's, oh, he's not Canadian. Oh, that's a good one, Mike. See, that's a good one because, yeah, I'm sorry, but he is because when he moved to Burlington, Ontario back in the late 70s, he I don't know if he became a Canadian citizen, but but sure seemed that way. I think we should. Have, I think Tom Cheek is an adoptive Canadian. Would you not say? Uh, I, I don't know. He sounds like an American. I know what you're saying. You oh, know? come on. He sounds like an American. <laughs> well, come on. He was born and raised. He was born and raised okay, and folks, cut his on, teeth in the state. Folks, Mike has just opened up a can of worms. Would you consider the late Tom Cheek, the voice of the Blue Jays for how many years? Where did he live in the last years of his life? Mr. Years? Where did he live in the last years of his life? Tampa Bay or something? It was down in yeah, Florida. Florida area. Yeah, okay. So he only, he only lived here because he worked here. <sighs> Right. Before he worked here, he didn't live here. And then after he worked here, he didn't live here. And uh, I mean, I don't know if he got citizenship. And, you know, I'm I'm not saying if you have an accent that's not Canadian, you're not Canadian. That's not where I'm going there. I'm saying he's actually American. But I mean, he's we adopt him. We love him. But I think he's an American. Pensacola, Florida. But BC, how many years do you have to spend in Canada and, and live here in Canada and raise your kids in Canada before you can be considered Canadian? I mean, I think his kids were born here. I think Tom Jr. was born here in Jeff. I'm not, I'm not okay, positive. It's, it's a reach, though, Cheek, to claim Tom Cheek, Cheek as a Cheek first listens name. to the podcast. So surely, if you're listening, let, let me know. I, I want to know here because I'm sorry. I consider Tom Cheek to be a Canadian, certainly an honorary Canadian. I don't yeah. know if he ever took out citizenship, but I think it's wrong for Mike just because he sounds a certain way and he lived the last few years <laughs> See, of his life in the United States that he's not Canadian. If I may, Mr. Howarth, Jerry Howarth, who no longer works at Rogers, remains an Etobicoke citizen. I feel like that's, I mean, and of course, Tom was very sick. So there's that caveat here. He was very sick. So that's sort of a caveat here. But Jerry chooses to live here, even though he's no longer working here. I feel like uh, he... God forbid. Suppose, God forbid, Jerry got ill and went moved to the States because, uh, you know, I, I don't know, he yeah, closer know. to his family. You're right. You know, illness, you know, we can't better, judge Better his doctor, whatever. Right. Would you say, oh, Jerry he lived his last few years in the States. He's not... No, a there's a medical exemption. I think that you're right. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Just that's enough. I don't want to hear okay, but anymore how about this? like that. How about what this? What about, say, Oscar Hernandez? <laughs> Would you consider never? Is he Canadian? Oscar Hernandez, by the way, Mike, won a Silver Slugger Award in the American League. So this has been a great week for Toronto Blue Jays, past and present, uh, all of it. And 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 now, and Vladdy is kind of like, dude, I got a gun in my waistband. Don't f with me. It's a Luger. It's a it's a whatever. Uh, a Colt forty. I don't even know what guns are. I mean, you know, the other Colt thing too 45? is that is it just a gun or is he into guns? You know what I mean. Is he uh, into guns? He got several guns. He got one on the car, one on his nightside table, one he's packing all the time. But you, you know, know I mean? the Blue Jays. I mean, maybe they didn't Instagram photos. What if he actually shoots himself in the balls? <laughs> the Jays okay. have had plenty of players, American <laughs> players, who owned plenty of guns, right? So it's how just, do you know? You <laughs> name me one other. You go ahead. You tell I'm me. I'm stereotyping here. Was Steve Toten? You don't think uh, Burley though? owned a gun? Uh, Burley owned, owned a gun. gun. Sure, come on, Mark Burley. Mark Burley. He owned a gun. Uh, he did. Okay. <laughs> With those Rottweiler, not Rottweiler. He had pit bulls, right? He had pit bulls. I don't know the difference. Yeah. 
anyway, so listen, like I'm saying, it was a good week for Blue Jays, a good week for Teoscar Hernandez, for Dan Schulman, who does the Blue Jays broadcast, uh, for, for, for Charlie Montoyo, for Yun, uh, Jin Ryu, uh, but not for Vladdy Guerrero. I just think, you know, they, they got to do something about this dude. What I would do, what I would do is I'd trade him for Francisco Lindor now. I would. I know he's got a big upside, but geez, you want to. I mean, Francisco Lindor, if you can get this guy, Cleveland has already said, look, we, we don't have that much money. Everybody's up for grabs. Everybody's tradable. And they say they're going to try to trade Francisco Lindor, who becomes a free agent after the 2021 season. So any team that, that, uh, that, that he gets traded to, I mean, they have to be able to sign him long term or they're, you know, they're nuts. So I'm saying give up on Vladdy now when oh. you've already got a, you've got, an all-star already if you get this guy Lindor. And if you can sign him to a long-term deal, you now have your shortstop of the future for the next five years or whatever it is. And you can build your team now around a guy like Francisco Lindor and Bichette and um, um, Kevin Biggio and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Teoscar Hernandez, but not Vladdy Guerrero, who still doesn't have a position. Okay, but he's you, you, you said earlier about what a young young man he is. And it, 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 I think it's dangerous to be uh, giving up on these kinds of prospects at that age. You're not age. giving up on them. Okay. You're labor under the misconception that you're, we're going to throw this guy out with uh, yesterday's trash. You're getting, if you could get friends, if you said to Cleveland, we'll, we'll deal you, we'll straight up deal you. Here's a number one prospect for a guy that's going to leave you after this year anyway. You don't think they would jump. You don't think Cleveland would jump. They have control of his salary. You don't think they jump at that deal. And if you have the Blue Jays and you know that you can sign Lindor for multi-seasons because, hey, look who we've got on our team. Teoscar Hernandez, Silver Slugger winner. Oh, look who else we've got on our team. Yunjin Ryu. Okay. Um, Cy Young finalist. Oh, we've got Charlie Montoyo the Spanish-speaking, lovable manager, finalist for AL Manager of the Year. Oh, and we made the playoffs last year. Did you guys make? You know what I mean? All that stuff. If you're Cleveland, you'd be nuts not to make the deal. Pull the trigger, make the deal. If Vladdy hits 100 home oh, I agree runs with that. Season, I agree with that. Then you can say, oh, we traded the wrong guy. But if Francisco Lindor gives you a championship, helps you win a championship, yeah. believe me, you'll forget about Vladdy Guerrero. I think you're right. Cleveland would be Cleveland would be nuts. Cleveland would be nuts not to make now that he's deal. He's not overweight. He's carrying a gun. How many guns does the dude have? Right, he well. can't play third. He can't play first. Uh, you know what do what do Jays fans care if Vladdy carries a gun when he's at home in the Dominican not Republic? Not just that. There's nobody cares. He's a gun-toting, poor defensive first baseman, third baseman. Okay, listen. He by this time he should have been hitting the cover off the ball. If I was to say to you three years ago, who's our best prospect? You're going to tell me it's going to be Bo Bichette. No. You're going to say it's Kevin Biggio, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. No, Listen. you would have said Vladdy, 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 Vladdy. Hebsy, we both know people. At least one person I'm thinking of who had <laughs> Vladdy Guerrero Jr. in the Hall of Fame before he made his Major League Baseball debut. Yeah, Jeannie Bouchard in the Tennis Hall of Fame. <laughs> Bianca Andrescu in the tennis oh, hall of fame. True. Think of all the right. people we've come across who once we saw them play well, right. And all the hype are surrounding them. And let's face it. It's legit for Bianca Andrescu. She won the U S open last year, beat Serena. It was legit for Jeannie Bouchard. She went to the Wimbledon final, but the thing is there's got to be some long standingness. All right. And yeah, she, Vladdy's still young. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. I don't know about that. Because I don't think the Jays know what to do with this guy. We have to have a position for him. We're going to turn him into a DH at the age of 21. So they're pushing these defensive skills. 
like remember last year he played first base and he made he made one really nice play. I remember this where he was at first at yeah. first and he, he made a nice flip throw to the pitcher covering and, and they and I think it was Dan Schulman went what a nice play by Vladdy. It was like oh good boy like you. It was like ridiculous because they were just hoping like heck that he wouldn't boot everything. And then the next day he ranges to his right to go after a ground ball that he had no business trying to do. And, uh, and he doesn't cover first base. So right then and there was the two, the opposites was, Oh, good for you, Vladdy. You made it. And the other one was what the hell, what first baseman does that? If you're going to learn the position, don't learn it at the major league level, send him to the instructional league, send him to tell, Hey, I got news for you. Ask David Ortiz nicely. He's played some first base in his career. <clears throat> Say to him, Poppy, can you take Vladdy Jr.? Can you teach him first base? Teach him the footwork. Teach him all that stuff. Do it. Have him come back into spring training next year or whatever. And, and where he's legitimately <clears throat> a candidate to play first base, where he can handle the position. But unless this guy is capable of saving your infielders millions of errors by making the pick at first base, by being able to really field his position well, and you're not going to have a good defensive team. And last year, they were a terrible defensive team. That's huh. my rant about Vladdy. No, keep it coming. I, I love these hot I'm sorry, takes. I'm not a big fan. I have to warm up to that one. I hear you. I hear you. I think it's too early. Not a big fan. Don't believe the hype. Don't know. I'm worried. <laughs> hey, that he public enemy. <laughs> okay. National Basketball Association. The Players Association actually voted yesterday to support the notion of starting this coming season on December 22nd. They, they just finished like last month, right? Right, right. Um, so that date, that's the, the date that the league's been targeting because the NBA always wants to be playing around Christmas time. Christmas time is huge for the NBA, right? Yep. To start the season right around Christmas time is <clears throat> a bold move, but they want to get a 72-game season in, and that's, uh, that's what they're targeting. So among the primary matters still to be determined, how much escrow will be taken from player salaries because of the shorter-than-usual season by 10 games, how the league and the players will navigate uh, testing and other health and safety issues amid the ongoing pandemic. They did a great job in the bubble. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. <clears throat> Excuse me. But is there going to be a bubble <clears throat> for the NBA this year? Well, I don't think you can do that for a 72-game schedule, which means that you're going to have arenas open, which means they want to put fans in the seats. And I don't know if you can do that. At what capacity? 25%, 50%? Uh, it's all got to be worked out. Now, talks between the NBA and the Players Association on those and other topics are continuing. There's obvious urgency to finalize things because the NBA draft, Mike, is a week from next Wednesday, November 18th. The draft. Wow. <clears throat> All those great college players right. waiting to be drafted so they can start the season three weeks later, right? <laughs> right, right. Uh, normally, the draft, of course, is in you know June and the season doesn't start till the following October, but they got to move things along. So training camp is scheduled to begin December 1st. So think about it. NBA draft, November 18th, somewhere in there also there's free agency. And then training camp starts December 1st with your new players and your new teams. So you've got to get free agency in there, in between. Uh, trades would have to become permissible, and some players need to be presented with deadlines by which they will either have to accept or decline options for this coming season. A 72-game season by league estimates would allow for $500 million more in revenue than a season of 60 games, which was the mid-January option, which um, uh, LBJ, LeBron James and company wanted. Uh, they wanted to start it on Martin Luther King Day, which is the 18th of January, but that would have cost, you know, cost everybody money. So let's sure. move it up to Christmas time. The December 22nd start also means that the NBA's traditional Christmas schedule of games will be possible 
And let's face it, Mike, what a great way to usher the Christmas season in. Hey, the NBA is back. So that's that's big for them. That's big for their broadcast partners as well. Mm-hmm. And the season is expected to conclude before the start of next summer's Tokyo Olympics, meaning that NBA player participation in those games remains possible. Wow. So there's the NBA and the NHL both saying, look, we've got our season has to be over with. The Stanley Cup has to be presented by and the Larry O'Brien trophy has to be presented prior to the start of the Olympic Games, especially for the basketball players who are going to be going right after their NBA season right to the Olympic Games. You got to have some kind of a training camp for your Olympic team, right? For your dream team, don't you? Yeah, well, maybe not. I mean, if it's a dream team, maybe you don't. <laughs> okay, so also um, for both the NHL and NBA, the idea of allowing fans yeah. and how many of those fans into arenas once the season begins, that's huge. That's that's going to be a real sticking point because that you, you, you want to gain as much revenue as possible. You can't be playing in empty arenas. You may as well go back to the bubble. <clears throat> well, I mean... The fact is there's more uh, cases per day today than ever in the history of COVID-19 in the United States of America. And the Raptors, well, they can't play in Toronto. You're not going to allow for international travel. So the Raptors may have to find a home in Kansas City. If I may. My suggestion? Yeah. Buffalo. 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 (laughs) Buffalo's treated the Toronto teams very well. I hear you. I'm sure Buffalo's got a facility in fact, I know they do. <clears throat> the facility, the what's the arena called in Buffalo now? I can't even remember. They keep changing HSBC Arena. I think what's that's that it. arena called? Now? I think it's called HSBC. E Bank Arena. I don't know. They keep changing it. <laughs> Anybody? Marine Midland Arena? The odd. What the heck is that place called in Buffalo? They keep changing the name of it. Anybody? What's the name of the arena in Buffalo? <clears throat> because that's a major league arena. You could, you know, they play NCAA tournament games there. So Key Bank you know, Center. What is it? Key Bank Center. The Key Bank Center. Okay. Formerly so, known as Marine Midland Arena. And before right. that, it was HSBC, HSBC Arena. Before that, First Niagara Center. First Niagara Center. I forgot about that one. <laughs> what other names has it had? Uh, that's, that's, a good it have the record? that's it, I think. Like, what arena has the record? What, what building has the record for the most different sponsorship names? <laughs> Great question. Over the course of its lifetime. Great question. Remember the good old days? Maple Leaf Gardens. Yeah. The Montreal Forum. Yeah, Boston Montreal Gardens. Forum was originally, the, the new Montreal was originally called the Molson Center. Now it's the Bell Center. Yeah, and even Ottawa, they were the Corel Center, remember? Now they're Oh, the Corel Center, the Palladium. Canadian Tire Center. Canadian Tire Place. There was another yeah. one. There's another bank in there. TD Center, was it the... Oh, I don't, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's the NBA's dilemma. And the NHL has a similar dilemma. Dil- dilemma. Uh, they're still looking at January 1st to begin their season, and the league fully intends to have fans back in its home arenas at some point. This is what they're saying. Bill Daly. No, actually, I, I don't know if it was Bill Daly. It was an NHL source that said, I think the ultimate goal is to end up with fans in the arenas. I don't think we'll get to capacity, but I do think we'll have enough socially distanced fans. Well, Hebsey, you know now, that's not fans, their call, right? Like that's going to be up to the uh, state. Up to the local public health officials. Sure, yes, right. So like a Texas, the Dallas Stars will have fans in the stands. and the Right, uh, because in Texas they're allowing fans. That's exactly right. right. The San Jose Sharks when won't. I'm watching, when I'm watching football, the NFL... Like, oh, there's fans in the stands. I'm not sure when I'm listening to the game if those are real fans I'm hearing or they're sweetening the well, we audio. Well, we saw it in the World because Series. I'm watching, like in Buffalo, there's no fans. We saw it in the World Series, right? It's all about yeah. uh, which state you're in. Exactly. Um, while the NHL hopes to have limited capacity crowds for a portion of the regular season, I don't think so. Sources tell ESPN that it definitely wants fans back at arenas for the Stanley Cup playoffs if local restrictions allow for it. 
So yeah, they're like, okay, if we get the Stanley Cup, if things go well and we can get the cases down, blah, 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 then maybe by June, when the playoffs begin, we'll be able to put fans in the stands. Even if that happens, even if you went from no fans to 25% capacity to suddenly opening up the arenas and selling playoff tickets, you're not going to get the same type of atmosphere. There has to be a buildup to that. You can't just say, okay, folks, come on. We know you haven't seen a live game for the longest time, but come on in and act like it's been like, you know, going on forever. It's weird. It's just going to be awful because what's happened is a lot of big acts like uh, concerts and uh, other, um, other things are being booked into these arenas, Mike. Mm -hmm. They're being booked into spring and summer. You know what I'm saying? Pearl jam is booked. Right. They're booked into the Chicago stadium or the, whatever these places are being booked. Now, I don't know what the cancellation policies are, but obviously if local health officials won't allow for crowds, they fight, but you still got to book these things, which means the league, these arenas have to get bookings from NBA teams and NHL teams. If we're going to have a schedule, we're going to be playing in Columbus on this night. We're going to be playing in Miami there. So you got to book the arenas and maybe the booking isn't so easy because the arenas are going, Hey, listen, we got uh, all these bands that think they can have concerts as well. It's just going to be a clusterfuck. You know, there's something to be said that bubble. I know, like, what about a relaxed bubble? So it's the same premise, except yeah. maybe more relaxation in terms of letting players leave the bubble and their families and, and see, like, like a relaxed bubble. My, I mean, I'm just spitballing here, but I found it was a pretty good made-for-TV event, uh, the NBA playoffs. It was, but that was the playoffs, you see. How do you get a regular season in? Yeah, I hear you. But, season okay. in. And the other one is, is that you've got to allow the local teams to, to generate revenue locally, right? have employees there selling beer, selling programs, uh, you know, fans in the stands. I mean, all that stuff. It's a, it kind of all goes hand in hand. It's just, I don't know. I don't know either. No one knows. Um, we were talking about ESPN, the worldwide leader. Yeah. Tell um, me about they this. Are, they are slashing 500 jobs as cost pressures from COVID-19 are accelerating the sports media companies move into streaming. I think ESPN for the last number of years has realized that the model was broken and that the way to go is streaming. There's been so much cord cutting, Mike. I know so many people now that just don't have cable or satellite. They don't watch local news. They, 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 their, their viewing habits are different. They watch, you know, live sports streaming. Right. And, and, you know, of course, live news events like the election. But beyond that, there's not that appointment viewing anymore. I don't know anybody that's like, I, I'm sorry, Thursday night, nine o'clock, I got to be home for the voice or whatever. I mean, there are some obviously, but it's just not the same. So ESPN kind of wanted to be ahead of the curve. And in order to do that, you know, they were going to be laying people off, but not at this rate because COVID-19 has just made it, you know, uh, even, even worse. So the cuts include 300 layoffs. Uh, They revealed uh, yesterday in a memo to staff, in addition to the layoffs, another 200 open positions will be eliminated. Uh, said the company ESPN has more than 5,000 employees worldwide. They lost a massive amount of their programming this year because the shutdown related to the uh, virus um, truncated its lineup of NBA games of uh, major league baseball games and other sports that they have uh, rights to right. uh, the NBA playoffs were moved into the fall, which was bad because it put them in competition with other events and cut into their ratings. Cause remember NBA playoffs in the fall meant you're going up against NHL playoffs. You're going against baseball playoffs and you're going against the national football league. Whereas back in the spring, your only real competition at that point is early season baseball eh, and uh, hockey NHL, which really, you know, is not a big competitor to the, you know, for eyeballs for the sure. NBA. So, so ESPN really, really hurting. 
and they've uh, and a lot of more people are going to get um, uh, they're going to lose their jobs. Uh, Mike, you wonder now about this this effect and will it trickle down into other jobs in sports media, especially here in Canada at TSN and Sportsnet, where we know so many people. Uh, and they must be so concerned about their position, like looking over your shoulder, like how can you relax? How can you, how can you not look over your shoulder at uh, your position and whether or not uh, it's safe and secure? Well, you know, the phenomenon in this country, and uh, understandably so, is that we only notice when the on-air talent disappears, right? Like we actually, the typical consumer of sports media has really doesn't notice or have any sense of like when they say 500 behind-the-scenes jobs have been slashed. Like what does that mean? What does that change? Producers, writers, you're right. People that aren't on camera or reporters, yeah. <clears throat> but, you know, you like one guy, I don't know, Darren Millard gets fired and we all know about it and we tweet about it and talk about it. It's like uh, yes. there's a, For a short of, time until the next person who, you know, you're surprised until, until Cox gone, is gone. gone. And then <laughs> the next person and then it becomes a regular thing. Right. Then it becomes like, oh, give me a list of people that you used to watch that are no longer working. You know, here's your long list. So that's why I'm saying that. I mean, if I were in the business like I was, I'd be going, oh, okay, like, am I next on the chopping block? I've been doing it for many years. I'm making right. a pretty good salary. Am I on the radar? Uh, you'd right, be right to be worried. And, and uh, how yeah. long before? Like a year, six months? What happens if the virus, what happens if there's no games this year or fans can't go? How long before they start cutting more jobs? And how long before they start saying to people, you you know, that job that you used to have, you now have to do someone else's job and you're going to do it for the same amount of money. And don't tell me that you don't know people in every walk of life right now that are still working, right. that are working twice as hard for the same money. Right. And the threat is there, implied or otherwise, that they may not have a job depending on how things go. And so they better accept this grudgingly or otherwise, because this is the future. You're now going to do your job mm -hmm. and someone else's job. And it's not exclusive to sports media, right? Like this is happening in many industries right, uh, right now. So it's just, yes, we, we kind of take note because of sports media, we, we, especially you who worked in the field, but I have, a, I have an interest in it and I like to kind of cover it and monitor it and everything. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I think it's fair to say, and I think you'd agree that there will be, like, what's the term, bloodletting? There will be late, massive layoffs at TSN and Sportsnet, one or the other or both. And primarily behind the scenes people, uh, which is tragic and sad. And I hope they all, you know, find something to make them happy and, and feed their family. But it won't get the same kind of chatter than if one on-air body is tossed right. aside. I think also from a couple of friends of mine who are still in the business, there's a real <sighs> jealousy now. <clears throat> I won't say pettiness because you're talking about someone's future and someone's job, especially people that are, you know have a family to support you know i mean being single and mm -hmm. you know being out of a job is one thing you know maybe you can pack up and move somewhere else you've got some more flexibility but man if you've got a you know a family a young family that you know you're you got mouths to feed and sure. and such and and now this job that you've had is uh, going to be eliminated and, and you can't just say oh i can go get a job somewhere else right you're going to have to change professions you <clears throat> may have to reinvent yourself Right. Uh, and, you know, I just, uh, that's really sad to, to, to see that mm -hmm. uh, and to see this, geez, not the word streamlining isn't the word. You're not streamlining. You're, you're, you're trying to save, you know, um, your, your, your shareholders dollars or, you know, in the do case more of with Rogers less, right? TSN, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's the bean counters that are saying, you know, that's got to go, got to mm -hmm. go. That person's got to go, but that person's good. We like that. Got to go. Right. They got to go. Right. And so the other thing is that you kind of like to have a nice, healthy competition. 
you know, and we like this competition between TSN and Sportsnet because these are the two 24-hour sports networks that we flip back and forth to, that they're in competition with each other. Sometimes it's a friendly competition, but not when it comes to money. Hmm. Not when it comes to, hey, we know that you guys made $20 million this year and we only made $10 million this year. No. Right. You know, friendly rivalry. So, and but normally that rivalry is not so much with the personalities. Like, you know, I would love to see Battle of the Network stars. Don't get me wrong. Here's Team TSN led by James Duffy. And here's Team Sportsnet led by um, uh, Elliot Friedman, Friedman or sure. Ron McLean or whatever it is, right? right. I mean, that, you know, Battle of the Network stars. Right. Right. You know, and then, then afterwards, everybody goes for a beer because really you can't really dislike somebody that's working for the competition <laughs> that much. A lot of times they they're covering the same stories. And you know what I mean? It's like where you raise a glass to the other guy. Like you think you think, um, you know, uh, Pierre Lebrun used to like go at it with like Nick Kiprios if they were in a bar <laughs> together, like a few TSN, a few sports. You'd like to think that maybe there was and it's more of a friendly competition. Those efforts at TSN. That's a famous Kiprios uh, tweet. I remember that? Of course. By and the way, so, um, oh, so you have a listener to your podcast, the Toronto Mike podcast, that, that, that every week or it seems every day, he's asking you, you know, what you've got coming up on your show. Right. Either he doesn't, he doesn't go to your website to see what you've got coming up, or he just likes to see his name in lights and Twitter. So his name's Matt Layden. Have you met this guy before? Uh, he lives in Edmonton. He lives in Edmonton, but yeah. he listens to the show, and now he's listening to this podcast. Yes. And he wants to know certain things. He thinks I have, like you, he thinks we have this poll right. that we can just pick up the phone or send off an email mm-hmm. or a tweet, and that these important people in broadcasting will, you know, uh, stop what they're doing and, and answer all of our questions. I don't know where you get this idea, but Mike, I get this email from him, and it says, Dear Mark, uh, first, I was wondering if you could please reach out to Bart Yabsley, president of Sportsnet, to snatch away Tessa Bonham from TSN Sports Center to officially replace Don Cherry as the lead NHL studio analyst for Sportsnet's flagship NHL studio shows, including Hockey Night in Canada, comma, snatch away Darren Drager from TSN Hockey to rejoin Sportsnet as an NHL insider, comma, and snatch away Ray Ferraro from TSN Hockey to rejoin Sportsnet as the number two NHL game analyst alongside Chris Cuthbert mm-hmm. for the 2021 NHL hockey season. Whew, that's quite a request. That's, yes. that's a big request. That's a big ask, Matt. Welcome you know, to Bart the club. Bart and I are pretty, we've never met each other, <laughs> but still, you know, I'll, I'll do it. If you really want me to, I'll get on the phone <laughs> and I'll just say, look, Bart, Tessa, I don't need his Tessa Bonham. I haven't seen Tessa Bonham on camera for a while now. Um, I don't recall seeing her during hockey season. I, the last thing I thought I saw her from might've been the women's soccer. She was on a panel there. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Was that Kate? Burnett? I, oh, I can't remember. I don't remember, but, but I haven't seen Tessa on air. So I'm wondering if maybe, if maybe Sportsnet has already signed her and there's a no compete in there. And <laughs> you know, I don't know, but anyway, I hadn't, you know, Tessa brought up to, I mean, that would be a good one. If you're, if you're Sportsnet, do you go, are you fishing? Are you looking to, to scoop some, you know, some, some talent away? So anyway, that's interesting. But anyway, let me continue with the letter. Sure. So the letter, second part, Mark, second, I was also wondering if you could please add to Bart Yavsley, president of Sportsnet, to also snatch away TSNers Rod Smith, Rod Black, Kate Burness, and Gord Miller Woo. to also join Sportsnet's hockey coverage for the 2021 hockey season with Rod Black replacing RJ Broadhead as the new voice of the Memorial Cup hockey tournament and Rod Smith 
hosting regional Vancouver Canucks games in studio. Right. Okay. Rod Smith goes to Vancouver mm -hmm. to do the games in studio, um, replacing, I don't know, uh, Dan Murphy or whoever's out there. I don't know. Uh, he also is Mark. You ask Kate Burness hosting regional mm -hmm. Edmonton Oilers and Calgary flame games in studios. Right. So, so he wants Kate Burness to like move to Red Deer right. and then go back and forth between them and in Calgary hosting the games there. And, and could you ask, I want Gord Miller mm -hmm. to team up with Louis DeBrusque. Yours truly, Matt Layden. So Matt, that's a big ask. I mean, that's big. I could ask Bart Yabsley all these things, but I have this funny feeling that he's way ahead of you, that he sees the value in all these TSN personalities that he sees the landscape the way it is with, T with ESPN. And he sees in the future that many of these TSN people on air and off are worried about their jobs and that he can swoop in and Matt, as you say, snatch them away. And then he can take all of them and replace all those sports net people that you suggested he replace Don Cherry. I don't know. Has Don Cherry officially been replaced? No, I don't think so. Officially, he hasn't. So, very interesting. So, I think what's happening here is I, I have a funny feeling that Matt Matt knows exactly what's going on. That he knows that Bart Yabsley and Sportsnet right now, these guys are ready to um, invade TSN and snatch all of these people away to replace the current people that are on and leave them all out of work. Right. So, Matt, I, I'm, I'm going to call Bart Yabsley, but I have a funny feeling that he already knows. He's doing these things already. He's way ahead of us. He's way ahead of you. Like a good chess player. He's multiple moves ahead. Uh, shout out to Matt Layden. I feel... Because he, yeah, he, we had, uh, we got him back on Twitter yesterday. This was a big uh, project. We and, and I'm just glad he's back on Twitter. And uh, I'm glad I, I'm the one. I hope it's okay. I gave him your email address because you gave it publicly on this show in the past. And right. I, I got tired of getting emails every day to tell Mark Hebsher to do this. I just said, here's Mark's yeah. email. Talk yeah. to Mark directly. More than happy. So to shout be. out to Matt. He's More a big fan. More than happy to be the conduit. Big fan. More than happy, Mike, to be, as you know, you know, I spent many years in the TV sports broadcasting business and I know everyone and um, right. they have nothing but the greatest respect for me and are more than willing to put down what they're doing to tell me uh, what's going on inside stuff. So, yeah, I, sh I should be these, uh, the, the, the gossip guy for sports broadcasters. I should, You're I, mean, the should man. I should be I should have my own um, sports media uh, column uh, video <laughs> something. Right to to tell you really what's going on because you know I know more than anyone else. I, I, Remember that's I have your... all the inside information, and I have, <laughs> I have, I have actually have a private phone to Bart Yabsley, <laughs> and to uh, I can't think of the guy's name at the head of TSN. Right, I, I yeah, uh, yeah, man, I'm telling you, I told I told Matt you're the man, and uh, we're gonna get this done. Okay. Good stuff. We'll do what we can. <clears throat> we'll do it. Tessa Bonham, yeah, got to find out about Tessa, because I, 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 yeah, she'd be good. She she should have more airtime. TSN should get for more time. What's going on? Yeah. Uh, in football, the Green Bay Packers moved to the top spot in the NFC North. They beat the San Francisco 49ers 34-17 last night. Aaron Rodgers threw for over 300 yards. Devontae Adams. I was going to name my first child Devontae. That, that would have been a good one. Devontae Hebsher. Uh, Devontae Adams caught 10 passes for 173 yards and a touchdown. The game of the week this week takes place in Buffalo. Mike, I'm going. No, you're I not. I think I'm Stadium, but I'm just going to. I don't even know if I'm allowed in the parking lot to tailgate. I don't know, but I'm going. You can fly the there, right? <laughs> going. It's going to be a beautiful weekend. And uh, the Buffalo Bills at six and two atop the AFC East are hosting the six and one Seattle Seahawks. Wow. 
and their outstanding quarterback, Russell Wilson. Now, I think this could be a Super Bowl preview. Oh, Hebsey, are you out of your mind? <laughs> the Bills <laughs> in the Super Bowl? Hey, yeah. in the division, and you never know. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. The Bills are leading the AFC East for the first time since the year of the small potato. First time since Tom Brady wore a New England Patriots uniform. <laughs> However, they're two and a half point underdogs at home. Now, I'm not a betting man. But recently, I just watched a fantastic, um, and I told you about this, um, uh, a fantastic documentary. Uh, this one actually is called Action. It was a four-parter, and it was by Showtime. And it's about sports gambling mm. and how recently um, the United States is now allowed, each state is allowed to, if they want to, have legalized sports gambling. It used to only be in Nevada. It's the silliest thing in the world. Super Bowl is the biggest day of the year for betting. And a lot of billions of dollars were being bet offshore and not in the United States. And, and of all those years, the NFL saying, oh, we don't even get into the betting. And now it's like, oh, okay, because they know how much money is at stake and they can get a piece of it. So NFL teams, pro sports teams are aligning themselves with betting sites. This is huge. So anyway, this documentary, which was done last year, is called Action. It's a four-part documentary. I highly recommend. It's about sports gambling. And it opens up all types of questions. If you were going to fix a game, mm -hmm. if you knew there was that much money involved in a game, <clears throat> right? Regular season game. <clears throat> and you could fix that game. Your team was favored by 10 points in basketball. And you could, uh, you know, shave some points. Mm -hmm. I just think that with all the betting that's going on, it makes it even more and more difficult to keep an eye on these people. These ne'er-do-wells. These cheaters. And you can go back to the Pete Roses who bet on baseball. Oh, I didn't bet on my own team. Come on. You can go back to this Tim Donahue, this referee that was right. not making calls when he should have because he was on the take, because he was being paid off to throw games. Okay. Charging call at the end of the game. That wasn't a charge. Oh, yes, it was. I made the call. Oh, I see. And we found out later that you had money on the game on the other team. That's why you called charging on that team. They didn't want him to score. I mean, come on, that was, that's nefarious. Right. And just the thought of any viewer not thinking that the game is on the up and up, that there's some fix going on, that there's ballot stuffing going on, that there's voter fraud going on, that we now have a society where we're suspicious, <laughs> suspicious of the outcome right. of anything, not just a sporting event, not just an election, we're suspicious. And that little level of suspicion, these professional leagues cannot afford to have that. The integrity of the game must be protected. And if you're allowing legalized sports betting in every state, it just opens up a massive Pandora's box. It really does, Mike. Because you can say, you know what? There's a lot of money bet there. A lot of money that was bet on that team there that shouldn't have been bet. What did they know? Right. How did they know? Mm -hmm. It it does seem though that there's more checks and balances than there used to be, like with uh, you know video replay and some other things that exist now that make it tougher for one crooked umpire or referee uh, to fix a game, if you will. But you're right with the point shaving. That's sort of yeah. You're right. Point shaving is Mike. Yeah, yeah. Were I to tell you, yeah, that a Houston Astros player from last year and the year before, right, who is making a certain amount of money, right, purchased some things that were well beyond his pay scale right okay and that the possibility was and he knew about the cheating 
on a particular day, mm. went to his friend and said, look, uh, put X dollars down on this team, X dollars down on that team. Uh, might not have been his team, but he knew he had inside information because his team was cheating. Right. That this game was going to be a win mm-hmm. for us because we know as soon as the garbage can bangs twice that he's throwing a curveball and we hit this guy great and all right. that. You're telling me that that's not possible? No, you're, you're, you're right. Likely, you're right. It's possible. likely yeah. to happen. The, if they can cheat by, if they can cheat and get away with it under the scrutiny of Major League Baseball, how tough can it be mm. to pick up the phone? No, no. Meet someone in person. Just say to them, uh, yeah, bet us tonight. Bet the Astros tonight. Right. 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 Oh, yeah. There's a, yeah. Yeah. The Houston Texans of the National Football League have announced that they've closed their facility for the time being because of a COVID-19 outbreak. Mike, I'm amazed there haven't been more cases considering how close football players are to each other and the potential to infect. We know now that even if you speak loudly, right, in a room and someone's 10 feet away, or, you know, forget sneezing and all, but you speak loudly or yell. But imagine grunting like two inches from another guy that's grunting. Yeah, and but you are outdoors. Flop sweats going all over yeah, in your yeah, yeah. particles are coming. I mean, come on. Yeah. You're not playing wearing a mask. And even if you were, you're in such close contact that you're violating all the COVID-19 protocol. All of it at right. once. No mask, no physical distancing. You know, I'm amazed that there haven't been more cases i really am with football true that in tennis milos raunich got into the quarterfinals at the paris masters it's going on right now i'm going to give you an update there um uh, he's the only canadian that's playing this weekend that i know of i do know that i saw some pictures of bianca and rescue working out and it was like oh she's back she's working out she's getting ready you know i'm like okay australia but still i'm very concerned sure very concerned about this young lady who hasn't played in a year, what type of shape she's going to be in. And if she could, if she couldn't um, get back to the form that saw her win the U S open and the Rogers cup last year and Indian Wells. And she was like sensational. I just hope she doesn't tweet any pictures of her uh, holding any guns. Like yeah. I told but you, mind you, she is doing a lot of, she's doing that commercial. That's a cute commercial for the, the, the dogs, adoption of dogs and stuff. Oh yeah. She's, she's, you know, it's, it's cute. That's it's sort of one. like, it's sort of like when I see the Jeannie Bouchard commercial for Pinty's chicken. <laughs> right. Like, you know, before she did this commercial, she was a great star. And now that she's, anyway, let's hope, let, let, let's really hope. I really hope that she can come back. And she's not going to be 100% coming back, but we can see that, you know, she'll, it'll take some work, but hopefully that she stays injury free because to be off that long at that young of an age. Um, and I don't know if she had any surgery. I don't know. I, you know, she might've quietly had some uh, surgery or, but that's a long rehab, a one year rehab. That's a long time. Um, where was I? Oh, golf. It's the Houston open this week is this is the tune up for the masters, which is next week. Right. Okay. And so I'm interested to see, uh, always interested to see Augusta national, but without fans there and not being played in the spring, it's just going to be really weird. Really weird visually. And uh, what's yeah. the, what, how do you, what's the, what's the audio term for visually auditorily audit. Audially? Audially. Actually, I don't know. Audially? How do you spell that? <laughs> I, Visually? I, say, I had a brief chat with uh, Bob Weeks this week, uh, and I was surprised to learn Bob's going to be in Augusta. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's the first time, I think, since the pandemic hit that they sent Bob uh, to a tournament. Bob's there, and James Duffy is going as well. 
Yeah. So that's so they're going to be set up there, but there's going to be no fans and fans have everything to do with Augusta. Cause when you hear that roar on the back nine, you know, right. The roar of the crowd. Oh, somebody made a birdie. Here comes tiger or stuff like that. You're not going to have any of that, but also you're not going to have the chirping of the birds, the blooming of the azaleas and the dogwoods, the whole look, right. A tranquility of Augusta national in April. It's like November, man. No, no leaves of the trees. Right. Like, you know, different kind of a look. So that'll be interesting. Um, so this this week's Houston Open, we've got four Canadians. We've got Corey Connors, Mackenzie Hughes, David Hearn, and Graham Dillette. Uh, Connors is four back of the leader, Brant Snedeker, after the opening round. Snedeker shot a 567. Hughes is at even par. Hearn is tied for 73rd. Dillette tied for 110th. Now, I've been playing a lot of golf at crosswinds lately, Mike, because the weather's been so amazing. But I'm here to tell you that a lot of these golf courses, the greenskeepers, they're like, okay, enough already. They were expecting to be shut down. And usually what happens in October, as the season's winding down, you're punching out the greens, you're aerating, you're, you're preparing the golf course uh, for winter, right? Um, and so you're not crazy about the idea that these golfers are going to be tromping on your golf course in November. You want to get you, you, you. So what's happened is, for example, if there's three or four sets of tees uh, on each hole, the greenskeepers likely have taken a couple of them and just, you know, no, no going back here. So like at Crosswinds, for example, on the first hole, the white tees, which are not behind the water, you don't have to go over the water for your tee shot. Um, you can't, you can't play on them now. They've, they've, they're, they've, they've, they've been prepared for winter. You, you can't go back out there and rip them up. So you have to tee off from somewhere else. So the greenskeepers are upset. I think they're upset that, uh, you know, what are we working? Why do I have to do this in November? Because after the golf day is over and everybody's tromped all over the place, they got to go back out there and fix it again and get it ready for winter. Right. And so what happens, I think, is this, is that the <laughs> golf greenskeepers are putting the pins in diabolical positions to punish the golfers. <laughs> Just to sort of say, oh, you want to come out here in November, eh? Well, we're going to make it really difficult oh. for you. Because yesterday at Crosswinds, That's some insanity. of the pin positions were like ridiculous. <laughs> Ridiculous. And the first thing I think of is, I'll bet you the greenskeeper didn't get laid last night. Oh, pissed. he's pissed. And he's putting this, he's putting the pin, the flag right there on this hump, right in this little impossible position, just to, just to give it to you. It's like, uh, you know, like it's great for the business of golf and don't get me wrong. Yeah, golf courses are loving this. I mean, everyone is loving this weather in November. It's like beautiful. Yes. Um, but I think the golf greenskeepers are like, well, we were prepared to end this in October and, you know, by November, by this time, we're, it sounds like we're a conspiracy kind of theory. Yeah. It sounds like a conspiracy theory. Hebsey. Could be. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's uh, fake news. So anyway, I played twice. Loud. We played yesterday and Wednesday, two beautiful days. Uh, the weekend's going to be nuts. So we're not going out there. And then we're playing Monday morning again. And we're going to play next Thursday. It looks like it might even be 10 or 11 degrees next Thursday. So. Wow. Fabulous, beautiful November weather. And my game, by the way, is razor sharp. Okay, good. Good, good. I was going to ask you how you're doing. Razor sharp. It's good Before news. we go, I want to point out that with the absence of the NHL and NBA games, which we normally are watching in November, mm-hmm. I've been watching a lot of soccer lately. And some really good soccer because you've got Champions League, you've got Europa, Europa League, you've got the Premier League in England and all the big leagues and the, you know, the Bundesliga, Serie A, La Liga in Spain, España. Um, and you've got the MLS, Major League Soccer, where the uh, Hartford Football Club, formerly known as TFC, because <laughs> really, we don't have any team. We don't have any teams here. No. They're not here. Right. They can't play here. They can't even play in Toronto. No fans. And so TFC is like, a, you know, it's like the, the Blue Jays were. 
They're right. on an island. They're going to make the playoffs, but there's no the, the buzz here in Toronto for the home team. It isn't the same. We're distanced from them. Um, they're in a dogfight with the Philadelphia Union for the supporters' shield, which is you know uh, this shield, this honor that you get for finishing first. Right. Um, it's emblematic of the best record in the league. The supporters' shield. It's like the President's Cup. If you, yeah, the President's Cup. Except it means more to them than that means to NHL teams. Right. It means nothing. <laughs> it's like winning the popular vote in <laughs> right. the U.S. presidential election. Am I right? Correct. Hillary, hey, Hillary won it easy. Yeah, okay, great. Here's a supporter shield for you and all right. the rest of them. Um, so Toronto gets the New York Red Bulls on Sunday, and Philadelphia hosts the New England Revolution. So both the Reds and the Union have 44 points, mm-hmm. but Philly is way ahead on goal differential, 22 to 8. So TFC has to have more points because the tiebreaker is goal differential. and Right. Um, and They're going to need a blowout. <laughs> need a winner or a tie to nudge ahead of Philly right. uh, if Philadelphia can lose to New England. So I don't know about you, but Sunday I'll be watching Philadelphia and rooting for New England. And I'm not talking about the Patriots and the Eagles. I'm talking about <laughs> Major League Soccer. Good stuff. Mike, anything else that's on your mind? I, I fail to ask a lot of times at the end. I kind of, you know, you know, get out and all that. And I know that you're a sports fan and I know there's little certain issues and all that. Uh, tell me, first of all, are the kids playing organized sports? There's nothing. Uh, hockey, our hockey leagues were shut down. There's nothing right now, actually. No. Uh, sorry. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, there's there's no organized sport. Now, a couple of my about kids... about disorganized sports? Yeah, we have those because they still have, you know, recess and lunch breaks outside in school and they play disorganized yeah. sports there. So, I live across the street from a school, a junior public school. Yeah. And they're holding music classes outside. So Smart. right across the street from me, there's this little parkette that's attached to the school with benches and that. And the music teachers are out there. And like in the morning, I'm hearing like klezmer music being played. Oh. I'm hearing, you know, skinnamarinky dink stuff, like great right. twos. And they got little instruments out there and banging drums and stuff. That's smart. Like that's that. smart. That's good. It's great. It's outdoors, right? So it's um, and I'm seeing all these classes. You know, I'm 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 walking by the school and I'm listening to the teacher teach a class, you know, and I, I can't help it, but I'm looking over at the students and some of them are paying attention, some right. of them aren't, and you know, yeah, kind of thing. Anyway, it's it's, cute. it's good. <laughs> Listen, stay safe, everybody, please. And, um, and, uh, when it comes to sports, man, I'm, you know, maybe one of these days we'll, we'll be able to get to go to sporting events. It'll be safe, but I think not for me, not until there's a vaccine. I just, you know, even if they said, come on, 10% capacity or 25% capacity, I I still don't know. Certainly not indoors. Outdoors. I think I could do it outdoors with physical distancing and masks. I would be okay. But, but, you know, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I'm with you. We'll have to see, we have to see where this goes, and I'll know when I feel comfortable. But I'm not there now. That's for sure. Right, right. I'll have to feel comfortable enough about doing the show with you indoors in the studio uh, before I think of you know going with right. a bunch of strangers right. who I know maybe not have been physical distancing and doing the protocol. Right. Uh, that's it for episode number 210 of Hebsey on Sports. Thanks, as always, to Toronto Mike for production and inspiration. Hit him up at Toronto Mike and listen to his fabulous podcast, Toronto Mike, where he's got really terrific guests, some of whom even talk sports. Bob McKenzie's on on Thursday. The, what? Seriously? Yeah. Wow. That's a must listen. And if you want to order a copy of my book, The Greatest Athlete You've Never Heard Of, in time for Christmas, hit me up via email, uh, markhebsher at gmail.com. And I'll make sure you get a copy, a personally autographed copy, uh, sent to you well in advance of Christmas so that one of your loved one that loves sports, but, you know, you can't, I don't know what to get him or her, get this book about George Washington Orton. Uh, phenomenal. 
not just a phenomenal athlete, but a phenomenal human being that nobody in Canada knows about, and you should. This guy, one of the great Canadians. Not just one of the great Canadians, just one of the great people. Right. Who did a lot, uh, an awful lot, not just for sports, but just, I think, uh, for humanity in his uh, 85 years on this earth. It's called The Greatest Athlete You've Never Heard Of. Hit me up, and I'll get you a copy for your loved ones, your sports-loving uh, friends or family in time for Christmas. Thanks for allowing us into your headspace back with another episode of Hebsey on Sports next week. Until then, so long for now. This podcast has been produced by TMDS and accelerated by Rome Phone. Rome Phone brings you the most reliable virtual phone service to run your business and protect your home number from unwanted calls. Visit romephone.ca to get started.